Oh my, it was fun to get out on the porch. It was actually snowing at times when we were recording this. Kind of was able to marinate a little bit on how and why the Texas Tech game went the way it did. Amazing comeback for the Mountaineers on Big Monday. Made a statement to the nation um, that this basketball team is is still a force to be reckoned with, even with the uh, defection of he who, have, he who shall not be named. Um and man, it was—I mean, it was—you know—and Zach, you'll hear Zach say it a bunch. It was a dandy, and it, and it was. Um, and I think it was a game that only gives you confidence moving forward, and kind of instills that belief in this in, the, in this team that they can they can go out and do some special things. Um, and we'll get into all all of that from Texas Tech. We'll kind of jump into a little bit on the uh, the ball game Saturday from the Coliseum um, against the Gators. Talk a little bit about the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Kind of a nice little break there and a, and, a, and a good opportunity, especially in this year where there hasn't been a lot of non-conference matchups, especially, not, you know, uh, of late, to kind of, you know, get a get a feel um, for how the Big 12 is, is performing. And we believe it will perform extremely well against the SEC. So you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab that coffee feel style. If it's in the evening, grab that drink and come on back with us and join us here as we talk more about these Mountaineers and their incredible, incredible win there Monday night against the Raiders here on the porch. Eck, how you doing, buddy? Have you slept like a wink since this time about 48 hours ago? No, not as much as you would uh, normally get, but I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, it's it's unbelievable, man. I mean, adrenaline coursing through my veins. Uh, I mean, the the anticipation of the moment. Uh, you just had to pace around the house, like you said. I know you were you, you were going nuts in your living room as well. Uh, you know, it went, felt like what about a three minute time frame from when we took midcourt with fifteen point six, and when we actually decided to run and was able to run the play. Um, a shot that'll be uh, talked about for a long, long time uh, in the great state of West Virginia, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I was watching with my father-in-law and my wife's grandma, and I was just losing my mind. Times when I wished that I was comfortable just spouting off curse words around my in-laws, but I can't do it. But as soon as that last shot went in and McClung's bounced out, I took off running down his hallway like a bat out of hell. It was It was something that I wish the Coliseum could have been full to watch, but Damn, I got a whole lot of excitement out of it on the couch. Hey, well, you know, I tell you what, it, it was hard to go to sleep because of the the and one by Mac McClellan with about ten minutes to go. But then, you know, when you finally when we finally make that play and a little LFG real quick, um, mm. may, may have walked out on the porch there to do so as well uh, because <laughs> that was in, incredible. And man. Zach, I don't know about you, but I think the fact that McClung races back down the floor and gets as good of a look as he possibly did at that point in time just even adds to the ending of that basketball game. Oh, yeah. As soon as that clanged off the rim, I took off sprinting down my father-in-law's hallway. I I was losing my mind. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal, man. And uh, just – the whole way it kind of transpires, you know, and we'll kind of get into that here, 
here shortly, but I mean, the anticipation of that moment. And then you hear Deuce talking about how he felt, you know, he knew it was going in. And, you know, I don't know, Zach, me and you talked about this a little bit. I had a confidence in him too. It felt like we had come too far in that game. We had kind of, we had the momentum. Um, and we had the guy that was the hottest guy on the floor at the time. McClung had been the guy kind of that was the player of the game, right? But then at some point in time, once Deuce came back in the game, once Hugs reinserted him in the lineup there after that third foul, and we were down, you know, 12, 13 points, he took it over. I mean, no question about it. Oh, no doubt. McClung, 24 in the second half to go for 30 on the game, but – Deuce, man, 17 points in the last seven minutes and some change on seven field goal attempts, man. He was absolutely blazing. Yeah, I mean, he was in fuego. I mean, in the, some of the shots he was making, I mean, it was Tough. it was insane. I mean, oh, I mean, you think about the one that ties it at 84. You think about the one that got a little run going there to get us, what, down to seven at one point in time. And, and, you know, he came right back in the game, too, after he came out and hit that hit that and one in the corner. Then he ends up making the three free throws. I'm like, man, we got this back down to four again. Now, granted, they bumped it back up again, but we just kept coming right back at him. Loved it. Zach, I don't know if you – to me, being, you know, the way West Virginia games Civil Garden College basketball fan, it felt more NBA-ish to me. And I thought, you know what? We got the last run. Here we go. That's kind of the way I was watching that game and thinking it from an NBA perspective to some extent because of how good the offense Yeah, that's not something you often say about West Virginia offenses over the years. It's <laughs> it's not something you see a whole lot, but you're yeah. right. They were they were making shots left and right everywhere but the stripe. I mean, they shot better from three than they did from the free throw <laughs> line, and that's not something you see very often. No, no. But you know what, though? We made the free throws when we had Yep, to. we did. And we made them late. And if you really I, – I think if you go back and you kind of look at it, I think we were 9 of 18 at one point. And what did we finish? I mean, we we finish – I think we end up making what? The last free throw there? 16 to 27. Was, so, 7 of 9 down the stretch. It's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, extremely solid. And you know what? I can even remember the two that were missed. I'm sure you can too. Yep. Gabe Osaboyan, both of them went in and out. Not a guy you necessarily want to have at the line. I remember Fran was even kind of just expunging and, you know, kind of just going crazy. Uh, just, I mean, talking at the death that Gabe was going to miss those free throws. And, and lo and behold, he did. Yeah, there wasn't much of a commentator jinx there. It was pretty much a given that he wasn't going to make both. <laughs> anyway, he came close on both of them. He just didn't get either, get, did not get either one of them to fall. Yeah, but that's okay. At the end of the day, all we needed was one more point than the other team. And damn it, that's ended up what, what ended up being. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, let's let's kind of let's kind of tackle in, kind of want to tackle into the game a little bit, uh, Zach, to, to kind of start, and then we can kind of you know branch off into it. But like, let's think about here early on in the basketball game, right? You know, in the in the early stages there, when we really worked for us to kind of get up to that nice little cushion we were working with there for a good bit of the first half. Yeah, I mean, we were making shots. We didn't let McClung do a whole lot, but the defense still wasn't quite there. And we were up by, what, 10 with only a few minutes left in the first half. But Texas Tech went on a nice little run there to tie the halftime. And, you know, it was 
it was all Texas Tech for most of the second half and ended up just being the do show down the stretch. But it was it was an offensive showing to be sure and you know, in two teams that are traditionally defensive powerhouses. Yeah, you know, that's that's a real interesting point you made about, you know, defensive powerhouses and I think the number heading into the game was like one thirty five and it just blew, blew past that. Oh um, yeah. I mean, but you know, it was it I'll say this too, Zach, though, at least in, from my perspective, in my opinion, watching that game down the stretch, that we held Texas Tech in check the last 10 minutes of the game from an offensive perspective, from a defense perspective. It didn't feel like it maybe when it was going on, but I think they only scored 24 points in the last 10 minutes of the basketball game, which is, you know, a little bit more West Virginia um, style defense than what we saw for the first, you know, about 30 minutes and change. Um because I remember I was watching a replay and saw that, you know, and Fran makes the comment about, well, you can't give up 64 points to anybody in 30 minutes, a top 10 team and expect to win. And then lo and behold, at the end of the game, you're at 24, you know, um, I think that as much as anything, and you know who else, I mean, I think we'll both probably say this, but how about Keedy? The way Keedy comes in in the second half and makes it work. Like you said, offensively, the flow is there the entire game for the most part, um, minus a little stretch there. Um, but I mean, it was just incredible. But Keedy, I think, was a huge key yet again, kind of shifting that momentum, especially there, uh, midway point of the second half. Yeah, he was a spark plug. Honestly, I was, I was clamoring for him to get a shot to D up Mac, and eventually he got that chance. And you know, he did pretty damn well. And he's he's just got so much energy. So I knew that he would at least stay in front of McClung for the most part because he wasn't gonna let him get by for the you know as much as he could, and he did a good job. He he's a spark plug and he's a guy that you love to have on a team like this. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's it's funny you kind of bring up you know the thing kind of that Keedy does you know and the way he kind of plays and and sort of the, I think once you got the ability to put him on McClung there along with Deuce and rotating them in and out. It just worked. Now, I like what McCabe gave us early. I thought he had a lot of confidence with his offensive game early, and I think it was a big, crucial part of why we played so well in the first half. Hmm. But, man, Zach, I don't know. In the second half, I mean, it, defensively for McCabe, it was a little bit uh, little bit rough. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. He's, he's far from your best defender, far from the most athletic guy, but – he did. In the first half, he was playing out of his mind. It's the kind of production you want to see from him. You're not going to get it all the time, but in a game like that, it was critical because, you know, goes out there, scores 10 points, and that kind of offensive production isn't something we typically get out of him, but we needed it. And, you know, you have six guys go for double figures, and that's that's huge because a team that is absolutely anchored offensively by – McBride, he needs help, and it was a night where he got plenty of it. Hey Zach, good. I like I like where you went there talking about how Deuce is so essential to our offense, right? If you had to pick another guy that you think is our key to our offensive game, and we haven't even mentioned him yet, um, because and it's crazy we have it because he had a great game, and I think he was really clutch at certain points in this game. Jalen Bridges. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy talking to me and said he thinks in terms of our offensive basketball team, you know, how we work on that side of the floor, 
He thinks Deuce is the most important, followed by Jalen Bridges. And then, you know, the question was, do you go Culver next? I think you might go Taz Sherman next and then Culver. Culver's going to give you what he's going to give you, right? And if you have a good matchup, he can kind of go at him and make some of the plays he made um, in that basketball game before he mysteriously was not on the floor. We'll get to that later. Um, I want to get your take on that. But, I mean, I, do you do you kind of view it that way on the offensive scale? Like, now Culver maybe moves down the list of that third or that fourth option offensively, and I think it really helps us? Or what do you think? I mean, I tend to agree with that. Bridges has played back-to-back really solid, really efficient games, just shooting the lights out of the ball, three for four from three yesterday, hit a bunch of back cuts against K-State, which I don't know how much of that game we're going to get to with as insane as the Texas Tech game <laughs> was, but he's been playing outstanding um, for the most part since he's gotten thrust into the starting lineup. But he's he's definitely up there. Taz is right there with him. And Culver, with him being the only big on the floor, at least in the starting lineup and getting most of the minutes, we've shifted to more of a perimeter-style offense, which you would expect, more of a four-out. And you'll run the offense through him sometimes, but you don't have to run your offense through the post players as much as you did when you had two of them out there. So I, I think that it's only natural that your shooters are going to be anchoring your offense more so than they used to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – like you said, I mean, it, it kind of is in terms of the importance of guys that need to have good games. And, and Zach, I, I kind of want to go through this because I don't know if you've done this yet. I mean, we know we had six guys in double figures. But which one of them that you saw that hit double figures probably most surprised you? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the obvious answer is probably number five, right? Yeah, it was definitely McCabe, but I'll tell you what. It was nice to see McNeil get some shots to go down because McBride, you always expect him to be in double figures. Sherman, it's pretty much an ex- ex- expectation at this point. Bridges, it's nice to see. You don't expect it yet, but it is good to see. But McNeil has been so up and down a lot throughout the mm-hmm. season. But they mentioned this is the seventh time in now 15 games that he's gone over double figures. So right about half the games, kind of what you'd expect out of him. Little up, little down, kind of half and half. Not sure what to expect from game in, game out. But yeah, I like it. I like it in my coffee, not as much so yeah. for my one of my best shooters. Exactly. Right? But he went out yeah. there, hit a few crucial, crucial threes. Oh, it's. I mean, good point you made because it's a quiet thirteen for McNeil while yet making big, big shots. Yep. I mean, I know one time we're down six, he hits one in the corner to get get it back to three, kind of keep it manageable there before the Deuce McBride charge early in the second half, you know, you had the, the big one that he made to get it, what, to seven. Then he had another one there to, you know, cut it to, I believe it was four. And then the good take that he had going to the rim, I can specifically remember mm-hmm. that because it was kind of a, you know, Tech got it back to 10. We had had it at seven. You're like, uh-oh. And then McNeil kind of got that ball to kind of somehow go go down. Um, tough take. And, uh, you know, not something you don't see as often from him, but something I'd like to see even more than we saw we've seen so far for sure oh definitely he can get to the he can get to the rack not at will by any means he he has that in his skill set but i'll tell you what that last one that he had at the top of the key should have been a turnover by mcbride just luckily bounces right into emmett's paws and he kicks it right out to the top mcneil's ready for it catch and shoot that was humongous we we uh zach we earned one of those because every bounce for the first about 30 minutes was going texas Tech's way. you're absolutely right I mean, you remember the one where McClung literally fumbled it off his leg into the dude's <laughs> – right into the dude's red basket for a dunk. I mean, yeah. you know, you think about that. And 
obviously we're extremely emotionally invested in what the Mountaineers winning this game. But if you look at that from an outside perspective, just someone who's sitting there on a Monday night watching a basketball game, that was top-notch stuff. Oh, that's... I mean, I can't wait to kind of see some of, and hear some of the national perspective on this game because, I mean, that was that was as good as college, a good of college basketball game in terms of the flow offensively that I think we've seen all season potentially. Oh, yeah, across the college basketball landscape, that's about as good of a game as you'll watch. It was one of the best games in general that I've watched in quite some time. And, you know, not only a West Virginia game, but it's a game that I think, you know, primetime slot, 9 o'clock on Big Monday. Obviously, McClung gets a lot of notoriety, as he should. He's an extremely talented player, leading scorer in the conference, arguably not so arguable in my opinion, but arguably the best conference in college basketball, you know. He's he's going to get them in the but McBride yeah, McBride might have put himself on the map nationally. Oh, yeah. It's funny because I think people had him on the map there last year after we beat Ohio State, right? And then he kind of fell back off the, off it a little bit. Maybe was reemerging a little bit there toward March when we had this, when it had the the dunk that literally tore the roof off the Coliseum against Baylor. Um, but then everything gets shut down, mm. right? So then Deuce this year, while he's done a lot of good things. There hadn't been that, oh, man, Deuce McBride is the fucking man moment, right, that we had seen at certain points in time last season. He reminded the rest of the country. That's what we said. I mean, we said that in the last podcast, you know, <laughs> that we wanted to make a statement to the nation on Monday night, and by God, we did. Absolutely. And it wasn't always pretty. It's not always going to be pretty with the Huggins team, but they never gave up. That we've, That's something we've talked about a couple different times, especially against the – Cowboys in Oklahoma State last Monday, but hell, it was no last Monday. I'm sorry, that's gosh, it's been quite a few well, Mondays exactly, ago. <laughs> in, in certain respects, it kind of feels like last yeah. Monday because of the way it's this year's yeah, dragging I mean, already. But it it's a it's a team that doesn't give up, man, and their their resilience you you can't talk about it enough. Mm-mm. I mean, and everyone kind of wants to pull their hair out and and give up on them at times but they don't give up on themselves. And I think that's a huge trait. You know, I, I know you, you, you sent the thing to me about how they kind of just all seem to be a family working together and hugs is really, really like that. And I even kind of think on that, a slight little twist, a little jab there at old Oscar saying, Hey man, you might not have been with us. And I, and I just named his name, by the way, that's <laughs> Tally Mark on uh, he has should not be named. But I mean, I think it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a dig saying, Hey man, Okay, where you know you you could have been a part of this. You didn't want to be, and you weren't. You never kind of wanted to be with these guys. You were looking out for you, and now you don't get to enjoy this moment. Look what they just did. Oh, and they you know? it was a mass dog pile at the end. You see the video of Deuce going in the locker room. They're showering him with water bottles. I mean, that's that's awesome. It it makes you really happy yeah. to see those guys so tight like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could tell. You know, it's funny because it almost kind of brings up the point here is great. The bench, while Deuce is making this essentially, you know, run and just torrid uh, shooting that he was on there at the end of this game, the bench was so into it. You could feel the energy. You could see it in everybody's eyes on the floor. Grant, you're making a great comeback, so, of course, they better be that way or what's, you know, we've got some real issues. But talking about Culver, right? Culver was the biggest cheerleader of the Mm. bunch. And wasn't even playing. And, you know, it's real interesting, Zach. That's what I wanted to kind of get into here real quick with you. What do you think happened there with uh, with Mr. DC? Um, I mean, 
only played 18 minutes. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a foul issue for him. He only had two. Uh, I mean, he wasn't shooting free throws great, two of six. Um, I know, you know, he kind of got beat there. Kind of was it maybe a smaller game. Maybe he wasn't able to play in it, maybe. Is that the thought? Because I know he got beat there on a on a drive. He tried to get out in the corner, and then they didn't see him for a long, long time. Uh, kind of what's your thoughts on why Culver wasn't out there? I would I would have to venture to say it was matchup based. You know, he yeah he was out there against a much smaller lineup. They were kind of having their way with him a little bit, and you know, without Santos Siva in there for Texas Tech, who's their primary big guy, you know, Culver's not really able to match mm-hmm. up defensively. Obviously, he'd be able to exploit them on the offensive side, but it's it's too small a lineup that were running to have him out there, and I give him a lot of credit for being so engaged on the bench because, you know, some guys wouldn't do that. Some guys who are in a star role, which, which he is for this team, they get benched in a, you know, clutch game like that clutch situation. Obviously he got put in at the very end, but a lot of guys wouldn't take to that very well. And he he handled it well. I I give him a lot of props for that. Absolutely. You know, he, he didn't tuck tail. Um, you know, he, I mean, heck, it was funny even there, too, when he was watching over the official shoulder <laughs> on that, um, on that, on that, uh, a little on that nosy. review there in the, about the last minute, minute 15. It was like he kind of went to, yeah, this is going to be their ball. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was, it was great to see. But I did like to see him. He was back out there at the end. Good point there, Zach. And I think that's really kind of what it was, right? And I'll tell you what, though, Culver, a couple moments there for him even in the game, even though he didn't have as maybe as grave an effort as, He's had in a few games, you know, in our three games we had before the COVID pause without he should not be named. Um, You know, he kind of when when Monday night there, the you know, the nice the nice hook kind of hook around move after Santos Silva somehow threw up a prayer over top of him. He answered right back with it. I thought that was a huge kind of momentum play there for Culver. And then also making a couple free throws because you could tell. He's not feeling he's not feeling at the line, but yet he's still staying tough. He's still trying to tr- trust his process, and he's at least made a couple free throws um, as opposed to some of those games last year. We've seen him, you know, go oh of eight or something like that. He at least banged home a couple. I mean, those two free throws he makes. If he don't make two of them, we lose the game by one, right? So, I mean, you got to give Derek a lot of credit for how his energy was there on um on Monday when he was out there. Yeah, I mean, that's what you have come to expect with him. He's a, he's a high-energy guy. He works his ass off. You know, there are times he's tried up and down the court, but honestly, I'd have to assume that that's because he's just so damn tired. He's getting the shit beat out of him down there. Huggins talks about it all the time. And when he's out there, he's he's giving it his all, and he's he's really the only big we have now. I wouldn't call Gabe a traditional big. He's not. He's he's a hustler. He, he scraps. But Culver is truly the only – Big time, big man. We have Cinny gets some minutes and spots, mm-hmm. but it's really Culver out there, and he he has to carry a huge load in the post. Yeah, and it's it's funny though too how you said like you know he has to carry that load, and then even in a game like this, matchup dependent, the way the Big Twelve is at times with not really having a true, some of these teams don't have a true true big man. Um, there's going to be some games where, like you said, he's not going to get as much time. But I think part of the reason too why he's not out there, right? is because we're down. So he even wants to space the floor even more potentially there. And then obviously, like you said, the defensive side just was struggling to keep in front of those quicker uh, guards and forwards. Although it's, I feel like he is capable of doing that, which is why I'm, it's still kind of, it 
a little mind-boggling to me to see him not out there as long as he was in a clutch situation there on Monday. Yeah, it's not every day that you see Culver play less minutes than McCabe and almost everybody else, to be honest with you. But yeah. it was just one of those games that worked out in our favor, thankfully. But, you know, moving forward, we're going to need everything we can get out of him, every bit of time we can get him on the floor. So hopefully he enjoyed his rest. Yeah, I mean, because he's going to – yeah, exactly. Because, like you said, it's the uh, the gauntlet's coming. Zach, just real quick, wanted to go over this because I think this stat is just one that has to be brought up. 12 and 19 mm. from the three-point line. I mean – Unbelievable. Six of ten in the first half, six and nine in the second half. Um, I mean, for us to shoot identical 66 um, percents from the floor and the three-point line in the second half is incredible. Your lowest percentage shooting is the first half. You're 14 of 28 for 50 percent. We would beg for that at times. What do you think worked so well about the offense Monday against an elite defensive team in Texas Tech? Well, I mean – we moved the ball pretty well. We assisted on about half of our field goal to, or field goal makes. Mm-hmm. And here's here's something that makes a big difference. So Texas Tech is at the bottom of the conference in three point percentage defense. Take a take a stab at who was at the top of the conference in three point percentage makes in the conference going into that game. Can you can you take a guess? Oh, we were forty no, percent we in conference. And that's not something you would yeah. necessarily expect, but when you've played the majority of your games with a smaller lineup after Shebway left, it's it's going to up your percentage, and that's what's happened. This team is actually becoming the shooting team that Huggins has said the past couple of years that he has. He said that he has shooters. They haven't shown it for the most part through the past couple of years. They've shown flashes, but you're starting to see the potential this team has in shooting the rock, and they, they did it. They matched up perfectly in that perspective against Texas Tech, and they took advantage. Absolutely not. So, so on that on that note, right about making more shots. Obviously, making more shots. I mean, Hugs always saying, mm-hmm. "Gotta make shots, right? You gotta, you know, gotta make shots." But it's it's the spacing and the ability, like you said about the passing, though. I think that's been one thing he's been really kind of trying to hammer home about not having mm-hmm. the ball stick, and it really didn't stick Monday. Is that a sign of things that we think is to come for this team, or do you think that they might fall back into some of the old habits and have that ball stick? a little more often than it should um, coming down, you know, coming into these next few games. I just wonder, like, was was Monday just an aberration? We passed the ball so well, or do you think this is something that's going to be more of a trend uh, coming forward here in the rest of the month of February? Well, I guess we got to finish January first. <laughs> got a little more left in January. But, yeah, I, I would expect it to continue. I think that this team should only continue to become more comfortable with having three perimeter-oriented players out there at a time because – that's just the way it's going to be now. You're going to have either Culver or Gabe on the floor as the five. Very seldom, I feel like, are you going to have both of them on the floor at once. So you're going to have four perimeter guys out there. When you have that, you're going to have the ability to move the ball a little better. You're going to have the ability to spread it out more, and that's going to allow you to get more open shots on the perimeter, and that's what we're seeing now. And they're having the opportunity to take those open shots, and they're making them. So if that if that can continue, I think that our high shooting percentages should continue. Maybe not 63%. From three, but I think that 40-ish range like we've been averaging in conference is sustainable. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, too, because you you say, you know, shooting in that 40% range. In Texas Tech, 9 of 21 on one Monday night, pretty decent. Three-point shooting percentage, 42.9. 
they shoot 46.6 from the four. And it kept thinking like, mm-hmm. man, they're playing great on offense. It, they, they were, they were making shots, but it's like, we shot even, we shot even higher percentages, which is just wild. But you know what? And from one perspective, and this is something that kind of wanted to, you know, get into here real quick before we kind of break down the very end of the game and move forward. Um, but just in terms of our turnovers compared to how many we forced um, in that game, what do you think was kind of the issues there? I mean, it was massive. Hey, man, we're averaging 15, uh, 15 takeaways over the last two games. That's pretty damn good, but uh, only two there Monday night. Um, what do you think kind of was, you know, our issue there? And we turned the ball over a little bit more Monday than I think Hugs would definitely have liked us to in that, in that type of game. Well, honestly, against the Texas Tech team, you would expect to turn that over a little more just because of their um, defensive reputation. But 12 turnovers – you know, if you average that, you're one of the lowest turnover-ridden teams in the in the in the conference. You know what I mean? So it's really not as high sure. as you are used to sure. seeing with this team. At times, they can they can turn it over with the best of them, but they really didn't turn it over a lot themselves. The problem was the fact that we didn't turn over Texas Tech enough. They didn't have a single turnover in the second half. I believe yeah. both their turnovers on the game were in the first half. I don't I don't think they really did a lot to hurt themselves. They I were. mean, you you referenced the K State yeah. game. 28 turnovers forced, and I'll tell you what, not all those 28 by any means were by anything that the Mountaineers did to cause them. Kansas State had a lot, a lot, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Texas Tech didn't do that, and we just – I don't know if it's that we didn't have hands in passing lanes or – I mean, we had pretty good ball pressure by and large, but like you said, I think part of it too was a lot of bounces going their way, like a turnover that McClung had or should have had on that ball ball that bounced their way just straight down Peach Street led to a dunk. That could have been a turnover right there. Yeah, I feel like I remember remember at least two or three other ones as well that were just balls that kind of deflected to them. And just it's like, especially after the run they had to end the first half, you're like, damn, you know, this is just not – the ball is not bouncing our way right now. And then toward the end it did. just enough, you know what I mean? And just enough, it bounced our way. Zach, I would, I would say this too. One thing I'm still a little bit concerned with moving forward, um, rebounding, especially one crucial possession there where Texas Tech got, what, mm-hmm. three open looks at a three-pointer? And then finally we played defense for, you know, solid 30 seconds, and Jamaris Burton got a nice take. Um, I mean, I feel like the rebounding's got to improve. And, like, in that stretch there, that was tough to watch them get three. And granted, they're long rebounds. But to get three in a row like that was was kind of tough to watch, you know. Being being a Mountaineer fan, especially because we know that's our DNA. We we clear the glass. Yeah, and it's tough with Al Culver on the floor. I mean, that's that's the biggest part of it. When he's on the Good floor, point. your rebounding is going to suffer. And as much as I love Gabe, he isn't the most athletic cat. He's not going to get off the floor. He's not the best rebounder. He hustles for every t- single thing that he gets. But you know, that's just not his game. Yeah. Right and nor and nor Emmett either. If I'm <laughs> if I'm mistaken, because Emmett was out there, I don't think Bridges was out there either in that possession with Culver. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but I don't think he was. Good point because those are really our two best rebounders, and then probably Deuce. You know, for a guard, yeah, mm-hmm. rebounds the basketball very well, um, and was crucial in that. Zach, so let's let's kind of um, let's kind of get it get down to to brass to brass tacks here real quick and kind of get get in to the to the final the final portion of the basketball game there um do did you think 
anybody else was going to take that shot. No, no way in hell. And I wouldn't want him to because Deuce is your guy. And one thing we talked about while we were texting at the end of the game, after the game, it was really nice to see a play that went pretty well scripted because if you listen to what Huggins said after the game, they obviously drew it up for Deuce to get the look. But if they walled him up, if they came over and doubled on his drive, they had guys set up for the kick. They had shooters set up to get an open look if they collapse on Deuce. You know, if you look at the contest that he got at, at, at that shot, it was amazing he even made it. But, you know, he got a pretty good look. It went in. But it's it's encouraging because with with this team, not this team in particular, with WVU in recent years, dating back to the JC and Dax years, in final moments like that where we had to get a bucket to win, it seemed like more often than not it was give the ball to Javon and hope to God that he figures something out. And a lot of times, including the game against Gonzaga, mm-hmm. it sticks out in my mind so hard it, it hurts. But just dribble around, dribble around, dribble around, and throw up a prayer. And that wasn't what this was. That was a that was a good look yeah. by Deuce. As tough as it was, it's, it's a shot that I'm cool with him taking every time. And it was nice to see him get a solid look and make it. He's he's a stud. Yeah, I mean, definitely when you when you bring that point up about and you know on that play, you even hear him talk about Taz kicking out. You see Taz is going to be open out there on the on the outside. You saw that, you know. And and like you said, talking about previous years too, Zach. I like that point, bringing that up because the Gonzaga one does stick out in the brain, right? And like, it, it does. It it still kind of does to when you really kind of you think about basketball games that we should have had, and we could talk all day about the uh, the review that that was um, in that one that gave them the opportunity to to put him in that position. Uh-huh. Still pisses me off to this day about how seven and a half minute review for the ball being out of bounds it kills me. Um, but you know, oh yeah, but but you know, like like you said, the, this team has some shot makers. This team has some guys that you would feel confident taking that last look. I mean, now granted, you want Deuce to be the one taking it, but if Taz would have mm-hmm. taken a shot, I would have been okay with it. Had you know, had Sean taken a shot, I would have been okay with it. You know, had I even think I would have went as far to say if Keedy takes a shot right now. I like him in big moments. That three that he made Definitely. was a huge, huge, huge one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of – and you know what else? I mean, he hasn't done it yet, but I'd be okay with Bridges taking yeah, a big look I, too. I think this team – it's honestly refreshing that we have so many guys that you're comfortable taking a big shot because it's not often you have that. It's – you think about the teams that we've had that are most successful since Huggins has been here, the Butler team. You know, typically it's Deshaun taking the last shot or nothing. Really, it's it's really him. Hey, that's that's true. That's true. I shouldn't I shouldn't just put it on Deshaun, but he was your main shot maker. Then you think about JC and Dax. It was pretty much just those two most of the time, just JC. But now you have guys you feel confident in making a shot at any point in the game. And obviously, Deuce is your main guy, but you've got a collection of of shooters who are effective on this team. It's, it's definitely refreshing. I, I really like it. Yeah, I mean, and because if you think about it, all of those guys that we just mentioned made 
a big shot or a couple big shots during that comeback run there in the last 10 to 8 minutes of the basketball yeah, game. you're right. And I love what you said about Keedy there too because that three was huge, and he didn't blink. He, he got it wide open. It's a shot you would hope that he would make, and he did. It was it was perfectly timed also. Yeah. It was a shot we had to have. And when I already talked about the resilience of this team, but I just I can't speak about it enough. They kept taking shot after shot after shot in the mouth, and they never quit. I mean, they got it close. Texas Tech took it back out again, extended the lead double digits. Got it close, same thing again. And they just never folded. They never thought, oh, geez, man, we, we can't catch a break. They never hung their heads for a second. Mm-hmm. You love to see it. Zach, I want – I love the point. And I, it's – but, you know, it's the DNA. And we've talked about this before. We heard Fran kept talking about – and we said it was going to happen. They were going to talk all about Beard and the winning culture, the winning culture, the winning culture, right? But – WVU basketball's DNA is we're going to find a way to do what we do, and I think now do what we do is is getting out and scoring scoring and getting an offensive flow, but we're always going to ugly it up enough, and we uglied it up enough there in the last, you know, the last bit of the game for us. And it's crazy, too. I, I want to get into that because I feel like everyone's just been hating on the defense, you know, in the defense and the way we played. But if you look at the last 10 minutes – once we once we brought some more of that ball pressure, once Deuce was able to get back out there, I mean, we did a hell of a job on McClung. Now, they made some big shots too, but it felt like we kind of – you just kind of felt like if the game kept going on, we were going to catch him and, and surpass him. And granted, you know, McClung, we leave McClung for that big three to give him the three-point lead after we had just tied it at 84, you know, and was – when that one, when that shot went down, Zach, are you feeling the same way I'm at, that I am? And it's kind of like, oh, man, that might have been the dagger. Now, which one was that? The wide open one from McClung? The wide open one where they found him. Oh, I know. And even it like, was, you can't leave him. It, it sunk my you heart. Know? It really yeah. did. And I mean, it. you see it go into his hands, and you're like, for the love of God, of all people – the catch it wide open at the top. Why does it have to be him? And before you even let it go, you're just like, mm-hmm. that's going in. Right. The way he was shooting the ball, you had no doubt. But it it was yeah. it definitely gave me some butterflies down there. Yeah, you know, well, because it was like when that went in, you thought, okay, man, we we're really gonna have to grind now to figure out a way to pull this one off, right? But somehow. Some way, you just you just kind of kept, you know. It, I, I don't know. It's like when when Tat we got the ball back in that series. There, I was a little nervous. We're going to force a three, not make it. Be down three. Going to have to start getting a stop or maybe have to foul. But when Taz takes that ball at the rim, like he did, it's it's almost a patented move for him, right? It's like he's going to take it at the rim. If he misses, he's going to follow it up like he's playing tip. Because he's done that so many times this year. Um, but it was nice to kind of know, hey, going for the two, we're, we have confidence in ourselves to get that stop, and then we're going to go score and win it. I love Yeah, they it. played it just I right. I, it. I really love having Taz out there because he isn't just a shooter. He can get to the rim with relative ease. He's he's a strong finisher, and if he doesn't get, doesn't get the shot to fall, like you said, he's – 
right back after it, trying to get the rebound and put back. And if he gets fouled, you're pretty confident he's going to make both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it. it we we talked about you know how I would say he's the guy next in line for me, right? If we have to make a big shot, yeah, I'm right there with you. He's he's proven to be a consistent shot maker and a shot maker who can get it done when it when it matters the most. Yeah, and and you know. That I think kind of wanted. I was trying to look up here and trying to figure up in my kind of counting it up here what we held them to shooting wise the last you know six to eight minutes of the game because I feel like the the shots they made were threes which obviously you know when you're making a three point shot it it kind of hurts you a little bit but it it felt like we really kind of ratcheted it up there and gave ourselves an opportunity to continue to keep grinding. And it felt like if they made, if they made a shot, we made two, if they made, we just kept doing enough, even without creating turnovers to find a way to win that game. True West Virginia basketball style of just finding a way to do what we do. Ugly DNA type of win. Um, And man, I mean, when you, when you really, really kind of in the, in conclusion on this game, I mean, what is kind of your lasting – your lasting thought's always going to be Deuce making the shot. But what is kind of the thing that you're going to take away from this for the rest mm. of the season? Uh, I don't know, man. There's so much to take from this game. But obviously you expect Deuce to be the guy. He And he's shown time and time again that he's going to be that guy. He's never going to fold. He's got ice in his veins – Unlike anybody I've seen at WVU besides Deshaun, he's just as clutch as they come. And he com- he took complete control of that game from the time he stepped back on the floor with just over seven minutes to go. But I I just I love seeing how Bridges is progressing. I I'm really encouraged by that because he's gonna be a critical factor on this team now that this team is what it is without Oscar. And it's it's crucial that he continues to progress like he is. So his production, you know, is, is critical and I'm hoping that it can continue. He was massive in this game. And one thing that he did that I liked a lot too, was that he was on the glass 19 minutes of play, five rebounds. He's got to be that guy to try and get rebounds alongside Culver. So I, I, I'm not sure if that's my lasting take, but it's what stands out to me because he, he played a hell of a game in his own right. Yeah, yeah, he did. He really did, Zach. And I'm, I was looking, finally kind of got through here as you were talking and kind of just tabulating up, right, what it was the toward the back end of the game in terms of what they shot, right? And they were 5 of 14, which it's not like that's great West Virginia defense, right? But it, But when you're shooting 10 of 10 in those last little frame, that adds up quickly. And when you're making threes, it adds up quickly. So I think in my last takeaway would just be you kind of – you did enough, grinded enough defensively to where in the end of the game you gave yourself a chance to win. And I, I just – I can't speak enough about how that just sits with me so much because that was a game, like you said, we didn't deserve to win that game. I mean, you said it. 
But I think in the end, we did deserve to win that game because we just kept fighting and we kept making big shots when we had to make big shots. And that that game felt like a game that you win in March, right? Um, granted, it was in January in a big conference game, but that's the type of game that we now can draw from that for when we get in a big ball game in the NCAA tournament. I feel like that's the type of win that now these guys have that confidence. I'm not sure this group had that against an elite team that you'd see in March. I mean, yeah, you beat Baylor last year, but it wasn't a close, close game. Nice to beat a team that's that good. Absolutely. Um, and not only that, when at the buzzer. it's it's not easy to stick to it like they did when you just keep getting punched in the mouth time after time. It's like eventually it kind of weighs on you. You don't – you know, it's just like it's not our night. We, we've shot the shit out of the ball, and they just keep coming back at us right. and putting it on, and what are we going to do? But, you know, one thing that's crazy is WVU – made their last 10 field goal attempts in the last 10 minutes of the game. 10 to 10 from the floor to finish the game, and they they had to have every single one of them. It was just amazing what their – like I keep saying it, their resilience. It really was a resilient effort. They never folded, and that's that's probably what sticks with me more than anything because we saw it against Oklahoma State, but that's a game you're like, well, hell, you can't really expect that to happen. But here it is again – twice this month and it's against a team right. that's you know maybe not markedly better than Oklahoma State but they're a better team than Top Oklahoma 10. State and we took care of business even though it didn't seem like we were going to be able to yeah I mean that's I think that's a great kind of great way to put it it was against against a team that oh yeah. thought of I mean they're going to be on the top four seed lines I mean I don't think because I think like us, and it's kind of interesting now how there's a little parallel between what they are with their transfers and what we are with kind of the roster defections and how we're starting to play differently. But both of both Tech and obviously West Virginia are going to be teams that continue to improve. And I think I love the fact that we get to stick that feather in our cap and keep walking in this Big 12, four and three now. You're back up in the upper echelon of the league there before the COVID pause. You know, you were we were kind of we were kind of sitting there not necessarily in jeopardy or anything like that, but you just had an uneasy feeling about it. I mean, you just lost a tight one. You know, you you had all the he has should not be named drama that was going on, and you're just like, what's going on? But to come out of this thing, win two games in three days, and a one against a top-10 team, it just sets the narrative off now for this team moving forward. And, Zach, I kind of want to get into that, man. A game now that we're going to see here – on Saturday, in the uh, you step out of conference play into the SEC Big 12 Challenge, um, taking on the Gators, a team that's got some talent, but you know it's very sporadic, very kind of up and down type of team. Um, what's well, your initial thoughts there on Florida? They're honestly kind of one of my favorite programs in the country right now, simply because when they beat the ever-loving shit out of Tennessee, the same week that they had the sanctions come down. With the McDonald's bags oh, and money, and the after the game, their yeah, official okay. Twitter account tweeted the score, tweeted the picture, all that good stuff, and captioned it, "We're loving it." That's fucking awesome. <laughs> it, it, it's it's pretty good. You know, it's funny. I was uh, was coming home, was actually pounding on the uh, the white rat there, some hitting some golf balls there yesterday. Took advantage of the nice weather, and was listening to Creedy on the way home, and he mm. actually kind of 
pointed out he did not want nah, to get off my lawn on social media. Maybe he was the old man on the block, but um, because it, it's what he said. He even kind of joked with it, but it was like because we dropped, we had the Reckham thing, right? You know, where we kind of dropped the uh, yeah, had the glass shattering and had the uh, the, I like the, it. the Raider mask there and said wrecked it, wrecked them. And then, like you said, I mean, when he brought up the Tennessee, um, you know, or the Florida making fun of Tennessee with the I'm loving it, um, pun there. I mean, you know, bringing up that up, though, is a good point because Florida took it to Tennessee. Now, granted, Tennessee, in my opinion, Zach, bit of a fraud um, in terms of what they are. I think they were very highly overrated uh, coming coming into the season. But that win there for Florida, they've now won three straight. Um, They beat Georgia on the road, beat Vandy. Um, they've won four out of their last five because they had a, a split there with Ole Miss. Uh, they they beat old they beat uh, Mississippi State in a tight one, or excuse me, lost Mississippi State in a tight one, and beat the Rebs um, there. And then they lost two two in a row to Kentucky and Alabama. So like, you know, they're playing all right. Four out of their last five, they're obviously playing hot. But the SEC, I think, is a weak league in general. I think we're going to see the Big Twelve. Absolutely. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think that, you know, Florida's traditionally a strong program. Mike White has a good team year in, year out for the most part. But this year, I think that, I think that uh, the Big 12 should reign supreme. Um, I, I like that it's in Morgantown. I like that we don't have to travel. And I also like that, you know, we have a nice little bit of rest playing on Big Monday, get the rest of the week to rest up a little bit, practice have more mm-hmm. preparation than we've had and hell what three weeks since COVID was going on with the team. And, you know, you play two yes. games in three days, not a lot of practice time in that, in that window. So it'll be a good chance for us to kind of reboot a little bit, enjoy this win, but you know, still get prepared for Florida. And it's nice that Florida had a midweek game. Now they got to come to Morgantown. So I, I like our chances. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Florida not at a hundred hundred percent strength because of the um, the the situation with Keontae Johnson um, early on in the season. He was kind of their dude. Um, so I mean, they've got some. I mean, they have you know, it's funny because they have five guys that average double figures, um, four guards and then a, and a forward. So it's kind of similar to what what we're kind of doing. But it just, like you said, I like our chances, but I don't want to be overconfident in our chances either. We've got to come out and, and you know, grind defensively. I want to see more defensive intensity. And I think, you know, based off how the first 30 minutes of the game went versus Texas Tech, Hugs is making it. Yeah, he's going to have to because this practice. team has shown that they can, they can score the basketball, obviously, against Kansas State. It's pretty rough looking. They had to shake off some rust. They, they came out firing, but after that first 10 minutes or so, they just kind of – I don't know. They just weren't as crisp as you would like to see. But again, that long layoff for the COVID situation they had going on, kind of expected to see him play in that in that manner. But you know, still got the win. Still, still scored a decent amount. But this is a team that can score the basketball. Defense, despite what they showed against Kansas State and Manhattan, defense is going to have to be the main focus for them moving forward. They've got to improve on that side of the ball if they want to really be a true contender in the in the college basketball landscape. And let's let's get into that real quick, Zach, because, you know, as much as Saturday's an you know, important game, you want to build a momentum and we want to beat Florida because they've seemed to have our number at times in this challenge. 
Um, it stinks that we won't have. Oh, you got the ticket. I'm going to tell you something real quick. I will be there, my friend. I, I am, okay. I am lucky to, uh, have some friends in some, some nice places. Um, yeah. Uh, with the, uh, with the old, the old West Virginia lottery. So, uh, and they're doing some stuff there and I'm going to be. First time back in the Coliseum this season with COVID. I'm I'm jealous, my friend. I got to say, I'll be, I'll be on the slopes at winter place. So I'll be watching the game on the lifts. Oh, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where I would have liked for us to get them at home with fans in, in the arena because we owe them because we've lost a couple down there that, you know, you would have never of, uh, you know, had we, we, we deserved and kind of owed them a little bit of uh, some torture there from the, from the maniacs. Um, but they're not going to get that this Saturday from us. I mean, as long as I think we control the tempo, make shots, grind defensively, play West Virginia basketball, very good opportunity to win this game. I think Florida's a little bit soft. Um, and you've seen that versus – I mean, they lost Kentucky. They lost to Bama. Granted, Bama's a good team, but they got ran out of the gym versus Bama. Um, like like our matchups at the guard position, I think we're just a little bit – in the Big 12, I think just a little bit higher caliber league um, in general. So I kind of wanted to real quickly here kind of go through kind of a scorecard here of what we think in some of these matchups here for the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, yeah, it is. You've got Bama-Oklahoma. I mean, that's a real intriguing game. Yeah, Bama's a good team this year. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, Oklahoma managed to take down Texas last night. That was that was a hell of a win for them in Austin. Um, they're a good team in, in their own right. They're playing good basketball. Obviously, they beat us earlier this month. But that, that might end up being one of the best games on the slate because that's that's two teams that are playing real well right now. Alabama's led by Nate Oates, who I think is one of the mm-hmm. more underrated coaches in this league or in this country because he's he's done Great nothing coach. but good things in Tuscaloosa. You know what else too I love about him, John? I'm all for it. He took a shot, especially after what I saw with Coach K in that in that student interview him the other day. That's bullshit, yeah, man. I kind of loved it. You know what? I'm gonna see. Okay, and and don't get me wrong. Love, love me some Coach K. Um, you know he coached America, but uh, that wasn't as bad as people are making that out to be. He was trying to. He was, tr- in my opinion, I think he was trying to relate to the kid a little bit. Granted, he maybe could have come out with a little less snark and smugness, but that's what Coach K is famous for, right? We know that. Um, I just, he kind of tried to relate it to him and say, "Hey, man, you just took a hard ass e contest." Is somebody going to ask you immediately, what are you going to do next week? You know, I get what he was saying, and he was trying his best to not go at him, at him. I don't think it was as bad as what people were I don't, making it out to I don't be, think but, it uh, deserves you a ton obviously of think a little differently. notoriety or anything like that. But I saw the video. I'm like, first instinct, Coach K's kind of being a dick. <laughs> you know what? I don't think that's unfair to say. But I don't think it's wrong for him to have a little bit of a dickish tendency in that spot either, because he just lost a tough one to, to Louisville. He's having a rough no, season. Granted, I, and if he's going to act that way because he has one tough season, give me season. a fucking break. I mean, but, I'm not trying to be whatever, but we can't. You can't cry when things don't go hey, your way all the time. Is, oh no! This goes with the theme that 
Yeah. And, and this and this goes to the theme that we were talking about about Nate Oates kind of giving him a little bit of mm-hmm. shit, right? Um, because he didn't want to play non-conference exactly. games due to COVID. And it's like, come on, Coach K, it's because your team's not great this year. And you know, it's it's a running gag on on uh, part of my take about you know Coach K when some of the seasons and you know I, do I don't really want to get into that too much because I I do like Coach K a lot, but there is a little bit of there is a little bit of truth to it where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Um, but I mean, yeah, like. Like you said, it's, <laughs> that's an interesting one. I'd love to play Duke this year, by the way. Just throwing that, just throwing that out there into the ether real quick. I would love to get them, maybe get them as a team that uh, maybe they were able to find a way to upset a team in the first round, and we got them in the second round and kind of knocked them, knocked them out of the dance. There would be would be real fun. Um, Zach, another game here in that SEC Big Twelve Challenge, and not a real good one. Won't spend too much time on this one in the nooner, but two bottom teams. Buzz Williams' A&M squad goes to Manhattan. Uh, it's the Octagon of Doom. Um, yeah, blah game. I'm glad that I will be driving at that point in time or inside the Coliseum uh, during that one. Might actually throw the ESPN app up for the Oklahoma-Bama game, but I will certainly not be making my way over to that. I would imagine Buzz and A&M will get a win. They're just a little more competent, a little bit tougher defensively than K-State. Not a good game um, by any means. Um the other two o'clock game, though, a pretty good game. Texas Tech and LSU. Uh, that's an exciting game. I like the yeah, I like that too. To and I hope like hell they do up. because LSU's coach can kiss my ass. <laughs> oh, Will Wade is uh, he's a first class scumbag for sure. Uh, making strong ass offers all over the joint. Um, Tech, Tech, I mean, you know, it's a good matchup, though, because LSU does have some good guards and they play a fast style. But I do like Tech. I think they've got a little more grind and kind of toughness than what Will Wade's instilled in the LSU team. But if you think about it, oh yeah, you know, the last time we had an NCAA tournament, LSU was right there in the thick of it as a Sweet 16 team. They were getting better last year. They're they're a decent team. I mean, it's, that's not an easy game at all and a, a game that Tech could lose if they're still reeling. Obviously, we're excited for what's going to happen in Morgantown. There is a third game at 2 o'clock. Um, Jamie Dixon's TCU squad goes to Mizzou to take on Conzo Martin and the Missouri Tigers, kind of licking their wounds a little bit, coming off a tough loss that's a, to Auburn. That's, a, that's um, an intriguing one. What do you think one? about that? I, I don't know a whole lot about Missouri squad this year, but, you know, Martin's a solid coach. I I think that'll be a pretty pretty close game between the two. I feel like they're – you know, middle middle of the pack, lower end of the conferences, respectively. But well, you say that, Dak. But I was no kidding. Bring, Missouri, actually, my friend, is twelve wow. in the country, ten and three. Shows how much they I'm paying attention to the SEC. They've had a turnaround job this year um, so far. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things though, too, where they lost a game that they shouldn't have lost to Tennessee. Or excuse me, they beat Tennessee in a game that maybe you didn't think they would. They've lost a couple. Maybe that ranking's a little inflated, but from where they were last year, and I remember watching them play in the Coliseum last year for Hugs is, uh, I believe it was the 800th and uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember which it was. It was a mouse. It was the one where he passed Adolph um, against in the SEC Big 12 Challenge last year versus Mizzou, and that team was not good. And to see them up into this stratosphere as a top 15 team right now in the rankings was kind of wild. Um, and TCU hasn't played a while because of the COVID pause, but they are nine <laughs> and five. And uh, 
suck my Dixon always gets his teams kind of ready and they're they're tough out at times, especially for Missouri team kind of reeling off of a tough loss to Auburn um, there. Speaking of Auburn, they get the task at 4 o'clock of playing the Baylor Bears on the road. I mean, I like Cooper. I think he's a great guard for Auburn. Yeah, similar but, um, to what they're doing I mean, to K-State tonight. Maybe not as bad, but, man, they're wearing – Yeah. What is it now, by the way? I, I mean, saw it was like 36 at the to beginning five of the second half. It was like 54 tonight, to 26. I'm like, I'm not even bothering to watch this. I've got the NBA on. <laughs> All right. Unless you had a total or were crazy enough to take Baylor minus the 24. Uh, yeah, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't tuning in for that one. Um, no, I mean, in, in speaking of I man, it's not happening this night versus Baylor. But Zach, we'll kind of we'll obviously have more time to talk about Baylor because we're going to see them a couple times here in the near future. Um, I'm still not sold there as good as I they were last year. I don't know if I agree with that or not because you know from what I've seen out of Baylor this year, I'm uber impressed. I think their defensive intensity is outstanding. They have so many good guards to throw at you, guys that can. Mm-hmm. Scoring in a multitude of ways. Butler is obviously the leader of that group. He's outstanding, super good player, super good kid. But one of the X factors about this team that makes me love him so much, I've talked to him about him before, is Chamuachachua. He is an absolute electric son of a bitch. He gives it his all every single second of the game. And, you know, him and Vital, (laughs) him and Vital playing those, those big man minutes. They're He's they're tough man. as hell. Let me let me tell you why I'm I'm still thinking they might have been better last year. And the only reason I say this is I really really liked Gillespie last year, and what he gave them, old Freddie there, in the middle. They don't have that intimidating intimidating presence now. Um, a lot of their guys are a year older. And you could say the same thing talking about West Virginia. We don't have – you know, he should not be named as an intimidating presence now down there on the block. So, I mean, but it's just something about them. And I think you're, you're probably right, though, in your take there on Baylor being better. It's just – it's one thing that I think they maybe lack this year that they didn't lack uh, last year. You got Arkansas, Oklahoma State. Uh, should be kind of a, a track track meet there um, in, in uh, Gallagher-Iber Arena. Oklahoma State's coming on, man. And I no really doubt. like that team. Especially that it being that we have against at them, the, better better. at their place. It's it's a win I think will end up being against a team who's probably a midline tournament team. And I'm you know, obviously any win you can get in the conference is a great one, but especially one against a team that's looking like they're gonna end up in the top twenty five for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean and they're and they're coming on. And, I mean, it's surprising they're not there even yet because of the couple wins they've had of late. Um, and, I mean, a lot of talent there with Cunningham and Walker um, for, for the Cowboys there. Uh, and I expect them to beat Arkansas definitely at home. Then you got the marquee matchups there. Um, Kansas-Tennessee, kind of a crapshoot game in my opinion, uh, Zach, there from Knoxville. Um, Kansas, I think, probably rebounds. Um, but, I mean – not a game that they're just going to show up and, and kind of roll out the ball and go win uh, because if they don't shoot the yeah, ball. Yeah, that's, that's a tricky one for me. I'm not really sure who to take in that one. Kansas has been absolutely ice cold since they went berserk on us 
and of course they just had to show out against against our boys but <laughs> they're they're in a weird spot right now we've talked about them since the season started thinking you know maybe this isn't a team with Kansas that you're used to seeing maybe not as strong as they typically are a little bit of an off season for them and it's starting to look more and more like that's the case they may be able to turn around here with this Tennessee game it'd be a hell of a win for them as a bounce back but I, I really don't know what to expect out of them. Tennessee's kind of the same. It'll it'll be maybe a – I don't know. It, it it might set the tone for the rest of the season for one of them. I, it, it has that potential. It really does. Backs in, against the wall, like three that, straight losses. I expect Bill Self and the Jayhawks to win. I, I just – I feel like they – yeah. Yep, yeah, haven't shot the ball well in a while. Not a big 12 game, maybe some of the pressure's off. And um, they get some good open looks there against Tennessee. Or it could be the opposite. They're just kind of – there's not a big 12 game, and it could go the total opposite way um, at, at Tennessee there. Uh, you have Iowa State, Mississippi State. I mean, I think Iowa State's got a chance. Mississippi State's probably good enough to win. I mean, nobody's watching that game when Tennessee-Kansas is on at the same time. Um both are, you know, you got a nine and eight team in Mississippi State. You got a two and eight Iowa State. But I think Iowa State could definitely surprise some people and win that one. And then you got Texas, Kentucky. Texas coming off of a a tough loss there to Oklahoma, but we're going through a lot of things, and they told you about it millions of times. And a uh, little foul trouble and not having Shaka. Uh, I expect them to go into Rupp and win. But Kentucky has been playing a little bit better of late. And I have a bone to pick with Cal Parry. Once you tell now, me a little bit what's more your, about what's uh, your bone to pick besides him one. reeling Oscar? And is there something else? Oh, well, no, no, no. Actually, there is a big problem I have with Cal Parry. Ah, uh, boy. So, Zach, everybody has been wearing went to the hug style this year, right? And has been wearing the pullovers. And everybody else on his staff is wearing a pullover. But John Calipari feels it necessary to wear a nice, nice suit here in the last couple games on the sideline. What's up with that? I, to me, that just seems like, hey, man, what, what the hell? Uh, what's going on, Cal? Do you think you're just, you think you're better than the game, or what's going on, man? You're not in solidarity with everybody going to the hug style of wearing uh, pullovers because you're mad because you weren't man enough to text. Throwing a little shade is that, is that what you're saying here? About a guy he had for a year and a half. I think I'm throwing a little shade there with Cal, or maybe just Cal's that much of a pompous ass that he doesn't realize that. I mean, I don't like it. I think that I I think your coaching staff should be in unison. Myself, but obviously he he thinks he's he's top shelf. So if he's gonna if he's gonna keep up the suit, more power to him. I I don't think it's the best look for him, but I guess he doesn't give a shit. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it, man. What's well, not even a suit because it's more of a blazer. Like he's wearing like he's not even wearing the tie anymore. He's just wearing like a like he's like an entourage or something like. Like a, that's his version of a quarter you know, zip a, or something like that. Like that's his version of turning it down. Checkerboard look and like. I think so. I think yeah. I think so, man. Little upper crust, Cal so, Perry. So kind of GQ Hollywood, like, um. Yeah, man, he's rubbed shoulders with all these NBA guys all this time now, and I'll get anybody to the league. 
that I can't even wear. You might be right. I, I did not even think about I mean, it like that. I think that's where we're at with Cal. You stole me. Hmm. That is a little fishy. It's happened now three straight games. I it's it just something's weird about it, right? And Kentucky, you know, tough tough loss of the night to Bama played played pretty well. Um, they kind of yucked it up a little bit and and made Bama look a little bit different than what they've looked of late. But I just you know something about Cal man and that and that suit just bothers me. And I hope Texas works them. Uh, in rep on Saturday night. I think they have every every ability to, especially coming off a loss, they'll be motivated going there. I think their guards are much better than Kentucky's, and it's going to kind of – would be able to kind of dictate the tempo and pace. And if they're making shots and they weren't on Monday, you think they'll probably come back and make them and be real motivated to go beat Kentucky for sure. I mean, that's a target game. No doubt. They'll, a, they'll definitely chest, be motivated after losing with the, the Sooners. So, I, I, I would agree with you. I think they'll go into, into rep and take it to them. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, you look at it there in the challenge, I think there's one, two, I, I look at the SEC and say maybe, I mean, best case, they find a way to squeak out five. Yeah, I'd but say I the think Big 12 even, ends up, uh, ends up taking that one. That's being very generous at that. Pretty, and, and pretty handily, too, I would say. Um so Zach, I mean, kind of, kind of closing up shop here, man. I kind of want to. We kind of talked about the challenger a little bit, and the reason I talk want to talk about the challenger is because I kind of wanted to gauge our interest on in where we think we are coming off this Texas Tech game in terms of a national kind of perspective and, and view. Where do you think we should be and where we are? I think we're intriguing. Um, I think relative to March and the obviously that point in time. game against Texas. Barely lost it there at the end. If we'd have gotten that win, that'd have been huge for our stock moving forward. But after that, you hit radio silent for a little while, kind of fall off the map for a little bit. You still stick around just outside the top 10, despite the fact you're not playing. Beat Kansas State with no problem. And then you get that win on Monday night and got a lot of got a lot of pub, got you a lot of positive attention. So now you just got to move forward with it and not lose that ground. You can't play against Florida on Saturday and do anything but, you know, I would say do anything but handle them. I think that a double-digit win against them would be a reasonable expectation. And I'm cool with that. I'm I'm cool with that. But then hey, you got Iowa win, State. Baby. I don't, I don't care Should what be an easy five, win just despite win, the just fact win. of the names. Iowa State, yeah. definitely a down team this season. Obviously, there are no sure things. Mm-hmm. Hey, it definitely helps. It helps us that we have played them before now in a different style now than we played before. So they're going to have to adjust to that. They shot yeah. so well. They probably can't play much better or haven't played much better than they played against us all year and somehow still lost. Yeah. So let's hope, you know, we make shots there. We have, we, we have won there before, which is kind of nice. Um, so I'm, so I'm you get you. those that, two games under your belt and then game, you got kinda, one hell of a gauntlet, sure Kansas, sure Texas too. Tech. Oklahoma, Baylor back-to-back, Texas. I mean, that's one hell of a run of games, so you got to get these next two. Hey, if, what if you go – let's just say this. If you go three and three in the gauntlet, 
or two and four in the gauntlet, and you win the two before mm-hmm. that, so then you're what? If you win the two before that, Zach, you're what? Thirteen and four heading into the gauntlet, and then you go three and let's just say you go three and three in the gauntlet. Um, and you come out of that at six. And you finish and up with seven. TCU and Kansas State going and into the Big Twelve tournament. Get good. both you of those. You're eighteen and seven. Feeling pretty good. I would say an eighteen and seventeen in this year in college basketball. To, is I would have to concur, no, especially no with the losses being where they would be in a three seed. Considering who you might win, yeah, I mean you're gonna beat. You're gonna, I mean, good chance if you beat beat Kansas or you beat Oklahoma yep. again. I mean, those are becoming no top twenty and wins. That's the thing. Oklahoma you think about where the losses would have come, losses would have come way, from at that point with your right. seven that we're predicting. You know, you got obviously Gonzaga, Kansas, Texas. Those are all top five losses at the time they occurred. And Oklahoma now, being who they are, they've obviously proven to be a very solid team. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you think about the losses we can incur Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Baylor twice, and Texas. Any three losses, any three combinations of losses in those would be quality losses. So, that would give you a season of nothing but quality losses going into the tournament. I think that that's pretty respectable. No doubt. Yeah, and, and, yep. and you're also going to have more than a few quality wins in that in that list of games, too, at that point in time. Uh, yeah, I mean – I'd say two and I, four I mean, is I guess the floor, the floor on is, Let's say you go through the gauntlet and you end up going, you know – I think you get Oklahoma at home, and I, I think I, I really so. do think you I get Kansas so. I at home. I think so. Texas Tech may may get us in but Lubbock. I, Baylor splitting that will be hard enough, let alone getting two I of them. Too. But that that's that's a hell of a run that. of games right there. With, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. I think and that's obviously going to be that, a like game we're motivated for three Texas. o'clock on ABC. It's already set. That's a that's a prime time game. I I'd, I'd like to think so too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Kind of cool to be on ABC for once. That's kind of an interesting little little wrinkle. I kind of like that when I Very saw it on the schedule. I'm like, oh. And the uh, Kansas game is a CBS game. I noticed, which is hey, you know, always always kind of fun to to get it. I mean, because we're so used to ESPN no, or ESPN sure. too. I mean, that just seems like a standard. You just kind of know it's that's where the game's going to be. You know. Um, it's it's kind of nice to to have that. I mean, I, I like I like you going with the two and the two and four as kind of the floor. I think if you even did that, I think you'd be okay, and you're probably looking at at least a four seed because we don't even know what's going to happen with conference tournaments. I mean, I'm out here. To, I'm probably thinking. Okay, about out loud what's here, your what's your insight for that? Let me five hear. Five leagues may not have them. But you just you you just keep hearing about how. The coaches, a lot of coaches don't want to have – they're not feeling that these are necessary, right? Let's say you have some COVID pauses, maybe some teams that are toward the bottom that aren't even able to be a part of the tournament. You're going to have postponements and cancellations. Why risk games in the conference tournament if you're one of the big boy leagues that's already got your teams in? I'd say go ahead that and let them take a week I, off. And I don't disagree with the, to, uh, with the logic. I would personally, from an emotional standpoint – Hate to see us not get to be in the conference championship two years in a row, but it is what it is. Oh. The big dance is what matters oh. most. Oh. Hey, 
Zach, trust me when I trust me, trust me when I tell you I I would be heartbroken as well because that's kind of where it got taken away and ripped mm. from us last year, right? The conference mm-hmm. tournaments. Um, that week is almost as good as the next week in certain in certain ways. Um, but I just have a weird feeling about those Power Five leagues, man. I hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. But it. You just mm-hmm. ha- and I feel like the the people that make those decisions are get are in the ears of the coaches that make the tournament the most. So, you know, Coach K gets. In- <laughs> but then again, to get year, Coach K might want to play in, in a, a conference tournament because he might have to. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just to just to find a way, man. Uh, it's I just I love the fact though that this team heading into that into that tournament. Would I would love the fact that we'd be staying there together um, in Indy. And you know what? We've had some good success and had a good little run that ended up in Indy before. Maybe uh, another Final Four appearance in Indy. I think that would be the ultimate for this team. I'm not necessarily still even – like we talked about the other night, like we could still lose very easily to, to a lot of teams if we don't play our best because I think we're just still such a – yo-yo team but i think we still have that possibility our highs are so high our lows are low if we can just find a way to get a little bit more consistency moving forward i, agree but I think completely. we get that I, because we are still said learning it, our roles i'll say it again i think this is a team that should continue to get better i really do believe that barring any unforeseen circumstances any injuries that we could incur something like that i do think this is a team that should only get better because they they obviously like each other they're they're a real tight knit group. They're playing their asses off. They just got to continue to yeah. get better in their roles, which they're still which they're still learning, like we keep talking about in their in their new style. So I think that they'll continue to get better. Their offense is showing what it can be. Now we got to see if they can improve defensively. And I'll tell you right now, Huggins is going to put every egg in his basket to get that done. That's yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that defensive unity and being yep. kind of the word you keep hearing all the time now, connectivity, being connected, only comes with getting to play more together in this style as a group too, you know. And I think that's only only what we're going to see happen more. And, you know, there's a reason Zach kind of talking why I think it's a possibility, man. It's because there's just nobody that's elite, elute, elite, elite, right? Yep. I mean, you played Gonzaga tight, you're going to get Baylor. You're not scared of anybody. So if the draw goes your way, you can beat easily beat anybody in the You're country absolutely. on any given day. And if you don't play well, You're absolutely right. And I love that from a pure fan perspective just, because so that kind of parity makes for a hell of a march. So I'm I'm excited for that. I just hope we don't get bit. Oh. Hey man, let's just keep 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 the faith. You know, and the NCAA wants that money. So, you know, NCAA wants that money. We're gonna we're gonna find a way to make it happen, and the Mountaineers are gonna have a nice nice run in March. Uh, Zach, always man, appreciate it. And I mean, we could have kept going forever on this one, but it's just like it's it's Texas Tech, man. And it was it was a it was an exhilarating exhilarating game, and uh, we have to cut it short eventually at some point in time because you know, <laughs> kind of the buzzer beater, man. I, 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 I oh yeah, it, it was a dandy. Like so we'll, we might we'll have been leave more it at that. there in our performance at the end. 
Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I'm going to be a little more like Deuce McBride here on this close than I was with Zach, a little more McClungish there, like we said there at the very last second there of the, uh, of the recording. Um, we'll come on back here later on in the week. Going to have a herd hour with uh, Mr. Spicer. Going to talk a little bit about the hire they made in Huntington there of uh, Coach Charles Huff and how he kind of views it and what we got going on. Also, going to hit the hot stove. Uh, lots to talk about in the world of Major League Baseball. Um, different different uh, teams are making moves, a lot of flurry of moves, finally. And then also a little bit of conversation on the Hall of Fame. We're going to bring in Big Daddy Mike to uh, to get into all that. But we thank you guys again, and uh, you, you know what to do. Take it easy. Till next time, and let's go Mountaineers.